0: everyone and welcome to the ALS Association Nevada Chapter's first podcast. It's March 26, 2021. My name is Taryn Joyner and I'm one of the care services coordinators for the Nevada Chapter. My coworker is with me today as well and her name is Susie Davis-Twasta. We'll talk about her more in a little bit. Um, together, we are patient advocates who serve all of those with ALS in the state of Nevada and the surrounding the surrounding states just on the border. And I've been one of the care services coordinators since November, uh, December of 2016. So this is basically a place where we want our patients and families to come for resources and education. where they can click on a link and listen whenever or wherever. So presently, um, we have caregiver and uh, support groups via Zoom monthly Um, since COVID. And previous to that, we had in-person support groups throughout the state. And after a few requests um, from families over the last few years, I had an idea, hey, why don't we start a podcast so we can cover all the bases. We can have a live or virtual support group Uh, virtual caregiver group. And then we'll do a podcast because I had one family member who said, you know, I want to be able to, my wife wants to be able to click on a link whenever, 24 hours a day, she works during the day and she can't make any of the meetings. So I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? Um, And it it definitely um, gives another option for people because not everyone feels comfortable, you know, going to live support groups or signing into support groups on, on Zoom. Uh, so now I would like to introduce Susie Davis-Twasta, and she's my coworker for the last few years. And hey, Susie, do you want to uh, say a little bit about yourself? Introduce Thank you, Taryn. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Susie Twasta, and I'm
1: one of the care service coordinators for the ALS Association Nevada Chapter. I've been involved um, here locally with the local chapter and patients and families since about 2005, um, have a very strong passion for exceptional care and support for all of our patients and families. So doing something like this, I think is really going to bridge the gap for, for a lot of people. Um, We've decided to add some of, you know, additional podcasts to our learning platforms within the community, community for our patients and families. So they have easier access um, to click like Taryn said, whenever, wherever. So I'm hoping and hopeful that you guys will have questions, submit questions to us. We encourage that. And um, in addition to our virtual support groups that we've been doing twice monthly for our patients and caregivers and family members, being able to have, you know, access and to learn and have the flexibility of when when you when you're able to do that is just um, super helpful in helping you guys to navigate your journey without ALS. So thank you for joining us.
0: Yes, and um, just so you guys know, if you have a, a paper and pen handy, uh, we will give you right now our emails. Um, so if you have any questions about this podcast, I will do it at the end as well. I'm just kind of giving a heads up. Um, so my name is Taryn Joyner, and it will be Taryn, T as in Tom, A-R-Y-N, at A-L-S-A-N-V.org. And Susie, what's your email?
1: It's Susie, S-U-S-I-E at A-L-S-A-N-V dot org.
0: Okay, great. So even though this is not a live um, presentation where um, we have our patients involved, um, if you hear something on here that you have a question about, feel free to email us. And eventually, down the road, when we do other podcasts, we're going to have a whole podcast, basically, you know, going over all of the questions that the that the patients or families have. So um, today, on our first official um, ALS um, Nevada chapter podcast. Um, our topic will be the ALS patient and nutrition. And we have invited um, our awesome registered dietitian, Jerry Lynn Grosson. And uh, she is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to ALS um, patient and nutritional needs. And I just want to welcome Jerry Lynn to the um, podcast today. And I really appreciate you coming on our first um, launched um, podcast. Thank you so much for coming, Jerry Lynn. We really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about um, ALS patients with um, nutritional needs.
2: Well, thank you so much, Taryn and Susie. It's really my honor and privilege to be able to be on this podcast. I, I've been working with the multidisciplinary clinic team since about 2005. And uh, what what's important nutritionally, because that, that is the focus of my specialty as a dietitian, I've been a dietitian over 35 years. Uh, with ALS, because it is affecting <clears throat> the strength uh, of your muscles, swallowing it involves a lot of muscles, and that is one of the biggest concerns is uh, being able to maintain your nutritional status through swallowing, which we'll go into in in just a minute, but I'd like to just do an overview of nutritionally what the body requires. And when we think of um, nutrition, there are six essential nutrients that the body needs. And the first is uh, protein, and you get protein from say chicken, fish, turkey, protein drinks, tofu, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, eggs, and the function of protein, it is the structure of the body, it's the building blocks, it's your hair, your skin, your nails, and muscles are made of protein. And we find a lot of people are uh, losing their muscle mass uh, and, and feeling weakened and, and, uh, rec- and seeing that their muscles are are sort of atrophying. So you do wanna make sure you're, you're consuming enough protein. Another essential nutrient are the carbohydrates. And so that is what gives us our fuel and energy. And carbohydrates are things like uh, grains and beans and lentils and all the starches like uh, potatoes and rice and pasta and cereals and fruits. So those are very important because they give us the energy that we need and um, a lot of vitamins and minerals and fiber as well. Then the third essential nutrient are what we call the fats and oils. So that would be like avocado or olive oil or avocado oil, uh, coconut oil, um, butter, mayonnaise, salad dressings, um, gravies, sour cream, things like that. And they have twice as many calories as the protein and carbs. So they're very important to include. Then those are the three, what we call macro or major nutrients. And then there are the micronutrients are what we get from vitamins and minerals. And those are kind of like the helpers and they're very important. So one of the recommendations is to make sure you actually take a very good multivitamin mineral supplement supplement because that's not always you're not always able to get all that you need just from eating food so you do want to take a good quality multivitamin mineral supplement and um, the final sixth nutrient which is probably the most important nutrient and people don't even think of it as a nutrient is actually water and we find a lot of people are dehydrated and not drinking enough and that will cause problems with feeling fatigue you might have a headache and water is very important for maintaining regular bowel habits and bowel movements and so the amount of water a person needs is half of your weight in ounces so if you're 200 pounds you would need 100 ounces a day and a lot of people depending on their situation if they are in a wheelchair or have difficulty moving, oftentimes they are restricting their fluid intake because it, it's, it's hard to get up and go to the bathroom. But that can kind of cause a whole host of problems. So you really want to try to, as as much as possible, make sure you're adequately consuming your, your um, enough fluids. And it doesn't have to just be water. It can be in the form of lemonade, in the form of juices, in the form of um, iced tea and things like that. So that would be very important. So that's sort of the overall background of when we think of what our body needs nutritionally. Because again, the goal with working with our our clients and and patients is making sure that they are trying to have the best nutritional status as possible. And what we find is that maintaining, maintaining Normal nutritional status is really a significant determinant in survival uh, in ALS. So that's really the primary goal. Now, what we find with a lot of people is, and they will see this uh, when they start having symptoms early on, maybe even before diagnosis. We have many people come in and they have this unexplained weight loss. And ALS as a disease is something we call hypermetabolic which is just a fancy way for saying it 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 increases your calorie needs. And calories is just a word for uh, the amount of energy the body requires. And if you look at a nutrition label all of that is based on a person consuming 2000 calories all all the nutrients that are listed there. Now generally people with ALS have about a 10% increase in what they would normally need even if you're in a wheelchair, even if you're not as active as you used to be, uh, that's sometimes uh, kind of confusing to people like, why do I need to eat more? And the the primary goal is to try to prevent any additional weight loss or any weight loss at all. And whether even if a person is overweight, uh, we still want you to not try to lose weight. This is not the time to be thinking about that. So with that in mind, a person needs, generally speaking, uh, a person needs probably anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 calories a day. If you're familiar with counting calories, it's not something you have to do. The best way to really assess how you're doing is if you're able to is you want to weigh yourself and you want to weigh yourself at least weekly and if you see that you're losing then you just have to increase your intake in in food if you're maintaining that's a really great way sometimes if it gets to the point where you're in a wheelchair and you're not able to be weighed that's okay but just try to as best as you can monitor yourself as long as you can by checking what's going on with your weight so when we think about um Uh, when a person is eating uh, and and we go back to the swallowing issue, oftentimes um, when you're first going to notice any swallowing difficulty, usually is with, with liquids and sometimes even just with water because water is, is pretty bland. It doesn't really sort of excite the muscles. So sometimes people are, are choking on water. And when you swallow, it should go down the esophagus. But if one is choking, uh, it, will, it could possibly go down into uh, the airway or into your lungs. And if you're doing that with food, that could cause something called aspiration pneumonia, which would usually require hospitalization and can be a really um, difficult complication. So we're trying to do the best we can to keep people as as uh, nutritionally um, uh, adequate as possible, but keeping them eating safely as possible. So if you're starting to notice that when you're eating, you're you're kind (coughs) of coughing or or choking, or food is getting stuck, then you need to start changing the texture and the consistency. If you're going to change the consistency of fluids, usually it has to go thicker. And there's a few options with that. There are what we call commercial thickeners, something like simply thick s-i-m-p-l-y thick it's a gel that you would just add into your liquid either water or juice and it can be either in the form of uh, nectar thick or honey thick usually people start with nectar some people are familiar with something called uh, thicket which is a powder form i tend to not like that as much because once you put it in the liquid it just continues to thicken and you can uh, purchase these either online through like Amazon or sometimes you can find them at a drugstore, uh, but but it doesn't require a prescription if that is something you need. You can also, if you don't have that ability to get those, some people will use like um, a pureed fruit and add that to say maybe apple juice and they'll maybe add applesauce to apple juice or they'll thicken with uh, like using like a nectar... Uh, Drink as a drink because that's already thicker. So that's in terms of liquid. Now, in terms of food, sometimes the food has to be uh, changed, that the the texture of the food has to be changed. uh, And sometimes uh, even just cutting it up will help uh, because then it's smaller, especially you want it to be small enough pieces so that if it were to get stuck, it wouldn't cause any choking or um, getting stuck in your throat. So small pieces. We find a lot of people, as they're starting to have uh, difficulty swallowing, it becomes very, very important to uh, not be distracted when you're eating and to really focus and concentrate and not talk while you're eating, at least not while you're swallowing. So you want to swallow, make sure your mouth is cleared and then talk. And we find people will tell us they've had the most difficulty when they're kind of in a conversation and not really paying attention to their eating. And that's when they might... uh, you know, start uh, coughing or choking. And you. And if you are in a situation where you're having difficulty already with swallowing, you do want to make sure you don't eat alone. You want to make sure a friend or a family member knows how to do the Heimlich maneuver as well, because you, you don't want to um, have that food stuck. Also, sometimes depending, um, we find that uh, if you make the food moister, uh, soft and moist is a, a better way for your food uh, because that's just easier to swallow. And that might be something like, like a moist meatloaf or a turkey loaf, a poached fish, maybe like your omelets are easy. And oftentimes, like a chicken, tuna, or egg salad made with uh, extra mayonnaise makes it easier to swallow. Canned fruits sometimes are easier than um, fresh fruit, uh, although a ripe banana would be soft. Maybe a baked apple with or without the skin, depending on where you are. Um, there's also well-cooked vegetables uh, are good to try as well mashed potatoes are great especially if you add extra butter and gravy on them Um, and oftentimes pasta dishes like say macaroni and cheese or a tuna noodle casserole is really much easier um, to swallow and to kind of manipulate in your mouth and and puddings and custards as well it's also important to keep in mind, there are some foods you might find over time that become more difficult to swallow. So it's important to be aware of what those are. They tend to be foods that are dry or hard or kind of sticky, limp or very fibrous, and maybe that have skins and seeds and they could get stuck. And some examples of those foods would be like raw fruits and vegetables or nuts or or like a peanut butter or almond nut butter or corn or strawberries and blueberries or crackers and bread or lettuces. Now there are people who go through their, their whole um, disease process and never have difficulty with these. And there's some people who have, have some of these are ones that they have difficult with, or other ones not on here, maybe like rice. Some people have difficulty time with rice. So you want to learn which ones um, are okay for you and which ones um, do not work as well for you and try to avoid those. If it gets to the point where, uh, maybe a food would actually have to be blended. And in that case, as an example, let's say you are you were eating like a chicken noodle soup. If you think about it, you've got the broth to worry about the chicken, maybe the actual noodles, the little pieces of vegetables in there. That's a lot to try to coordinate when you're having difficulty with swallowing. So if you were to have that blended, so it all becomes one texture and consistency, much easier for uh, that to be manipulated in your mouth and swallowed safely. So you could blenderize the food that way. Um, You could also, you know, maybe blend up uh, juices or if if you're doing a protein drink that I talked about earlier. And one of my favorite protein drinks is Orgain, O-R-G-A-I-N. And and I like that product line because the um, sweetener is uh, either like a corn syrup, which is okay, or it's a a sweetener called Stevia, which is plant-based. And that is better than some of the other uh, protein drinks out there that are sweetened with artificial sweeteners or have a high uh, amount of just extra sugar that's really not necessary. So if you were to take that protein drink and it could already be made up or it could come in the powder form and then you could put it in your blender, you could put um, some frozen fruit or some banana. Some people put like Greek yogurt in there. And if you really need to boost your calories, uh, you could do ice cream added to that. And so you have those options to do as well. Um, so that is something to think about is making sure you are uh, using the right consistency. And that can change over time. And uh, when you're looking at, uh, when I was talking earlier about hydration, how much fluid, you uh, You want to really be careful to make sure you don't get dehydrated. And um, again, that's checking it to make sure you're getting at least half of your weight in ounces. That's very important to make sure you do that. Uh, And um, again, it doesn't have to just be water. As a matter of fact, if you're trying to, you know, gain weight and not lose weight, sometimes it's better to do a juice or to do the nectars or to do like lemonades or, you know, maybe half iced tea, half a lemonade would be fine to do. Now, if you are trying to, or you're in a position where you're making meals for yourself, sometimes it's helpful to uh, some people purchase frozen uh, prepared meals, or they do takeout, or if you have any family or friends that can make food for you, that's really great to do. If you are in a position where you have family members who are home but they work during the day, um, they can help put out you know snacks and, and beverages for you. There are also Um, And and there will be another podcast, probably with an occupational therapist, there are lots of different uh, utensils that either can have a bigger handle, or they're longer to make it easier to eat, or maybe like a long straw, sometimes people if you can't use your arms to get the the, the glass up to your mouth, you can get your, your mouth to the straw. And sometimes it's hard. To, to close your hands. So we do have utensils that, that have grips on them. So those are all things that uh, you can you can get working with an occupational therapist. So there's also uh, uh, prepared meals like a Meals on Wheel program or other programs that do deliver food, uh, meals that are prepared if that is something that you need. And if you just get to the point where it's just too much, uh, sometimes just that protein drink uh, really uh, mixed up with a lot of different um, items could, could become a meal for you. It would also be important because oftentimes uh, or as people start to progress um, they just meals can be very time consuming. sometimes it might take up to an hour um, and people get tired. It's, it's a lot of chewing, it's a lot of focus, a lot of concentration and then it just really takes the pleasure away from eating. So at that point, you might want to do smaller, more frequent meals, maybe like five or six small meals. Even if you take a normal breakfast and divide it up into two different meals, that would be better to do. Uh, That helps. (coughs) Excuse me. Sometimes you might um, need to actually take a nap before the meals. Cutting food up into small pieces so you don't have to spend as much time chewing and biting will help. So those are things to think about if you're starting to feel a lot of fatigue. And um, feeling tired before you're going to eat, you want to try to conserve your energy. If you find that your appetite is uh, decreasing, you might want to try to eat in like a pleasant, relaxing environment. If there's a lot of chaos going on, it's it's hard to focus and concentrate and you might not just want to eat. Make your food look attractive. You know, we sort of eat with our eyes, maybe invite a friend or a family member to eat with you. Make sure you have a lot of variety. We always, I always like to say, eat the color of the rainbow. You want lots of color on your plate. Um, And it's important to make sure when we were talking about hydration, that you do not want to drink with your meals because your stomach can only hold so much at one time. And if you're drinking with your meal, you're taking up room with fluid and not leaving room for the actual food. So you want to drink in between meals and not with your meals. And you also don't want to be filling up on low-calorie or sugar-free or diet foods. This is not the time to be thinking about those kind of diet or low calorie, sugar-free foods. Um, if you uh, have different disease states, like let's say you've been diagnosed with high cholesterol or um, maybe you have high blood pressure or you have diabetes, uh, a lot of people, I mean, if you've had that for a long time, that's been your focus is is trying to follow uh, potentially an eating plan for those situations. But once a person becomes diagnosed with ALS, really that becomes the priority. And we aren't really worrying anymore about long-term complications of not eating correctly for diabetes or for blood pressure. So uh, you want to really keep in mind that the primary focus is to maintain your nutritional status at sort of all costs, whatever that is for you, making sure that you get adequate protein, getting adequate calories. And when you start adding in now swallowing difficulties, that can become a problematic. So you don't really want to worry about, oh, on top of that, it needs to be low salt because I have high blood pressure. Oh, it needs to, I have to stay away from sugars because I have diabetes. Now, if you are on insulin and and maybe you are a brittle, what they call a brittle diabetic, okay, we'll have to have a conversation. But it really becomes most important to make sure you're eating and maintaining your weight and not losing weight. That is the priority and and not worrying about what might have would potentially happen if you ate the wrong foods with diabetes ten years from now, that that really won't be the issue. And as time goes on, if you continue to have difficulty with swallowing and you're starting to cough and choke, and it just is becoming too much, and sometimes people are unable to swallow their pills because it's it, that's one of sometimes the first signs is very hard to swallow a, a large pill. At that point, you might uh, we might recommend that you consider looking into a tube feeding. There will be a whole separate podcast on tube feedings and all involved with that. But what I'd like to say about that is. Um, It's, I want you to keep an open mind about that because a lot of people, when they think of a tube feeding, they think they're going to be hooked up to a machine and maybe they saw it with a family member in the hospital or something that, that is not the case. That is not how this works. It is a tube that is inserted out as an outpatient procedure into directly into your stomach. And then Uh, you would actually use, um, there there are formulas now that are what we call whole food based. So they have excellent quality formulas that are real food. And you basically just pour the carton into uh, the tube that goes into your stomach. So you're not connected to uh, a pump or machine. And what it really does is it allows you the freedom to get your nutritional needs met through that and then you get to just eat for pleasure as long as you're able to do that safely and that's for many people just really greatly improves their quality of life and all of a sudden they, they are getting this really great nu- nutrition uh, back into their body without all the struggle and all the time and all the energy that it takes to you know chew and swallow at meals uh, and so that can be a, a very uh, good way to go and so as a as a team we will talk to you about that and work with you if it gets to that point. Uh, But again, I would just keep an open mind about um, what that looks like and how that can really help out the whole. So uh, it really just uh, as kind of a summary, you wanna just keep in mind that your nutritional status really will uh, be a very significant determining factor on how um, much you progress. Uh, in, in the disease process. And uh, even like feeding is not something that is prolonging your life, it's just improving the quality of your life. And for a lot of people, it's, it's a really great way to, to be able to hydrate as well. So it's important to keep that in mind. Uh, when you're thinking about what you're doing is uh, making sure that you really prioritize uh, the nutrition uh, that you're you're taking in. And it really is okay at this point, if you do You know, when you're adding extra calories in, when we talk about, oh, a person needs, you know, higher calorie, you're adding in maybe extra avocado, you're adding in maybe cheese or maybe adding in sour cream or gravy. And these might have been some things that you wouldn't do in the past, but it really is important to add as many calories so that every bite that you eat counts uh, nutritionally and um, what we call calorically. So that's pretty much uh, the main areas that I wanted to cover and unless, uh, Susie or Taryn have any questions for me.
0: So it, it sounds pretty much like, um, it's important to, um, stick with your, going to your clinic and staying, um, talking with the different disciplines. So you can, um, you know, have you keep more track, I guess, um, of your eating patterns and weight and things like that. Um,
2: Yes. Uh, so, the way that the clinic has worked for up until the last year, it is a multidisciplinary team of experts in all different areas. Whether it's the dietitian, whether it's a respiratory therapist, uh, an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, the nurse, the doctor, and <clears throat> the um, uh, mobility and and prosthetics. So we all have our area of expertise, and we are monitoring you and you, uh, on, a, on a usually like quarterly basis. So you come in, we have your information, we talk as a team, you get all the recommendations, but you're being followed. And research does show that um, those individuals, once they're diagnosed, that are being under the care of a multidisciplinary clinic team, such as the ones we have here in Nevada, have much greater um, outcomes and quality of life as they, as they are progressing through their disease. And it's very great support also for family members who, you know, it's, it's, it, this is a very difficult time getting diagnosed with something like this. And um, it's important to get as much information and as much support and as much tools and we um, offer so much of that and and things that you might not even know would be available to you. Uh, This is, you know, what the, what the team done and we have all worked together for many, many years and are very committed to helping you um, and your uh, loved ones and your family go through this process as, as kind of painfully uh, as, as much as we can for you. And we're here to support you in any way possible. But you have to, but you have to come to the clinic so that we, you know, have our eyes on you or until COVID is over, we, we do this uh, via, you know, phone consultations.
0: You know, do there, you think it's important. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Susie.
2: Jerry Leonard, are there any specific
1: consistencies that you maybe recommend people stay away from to make the swallow any easier so they can maintain their nutritional intake?
2: Well, it, it, I mean, everyone's different with what they're able to swallow. Um, some people um, are, are fine, actually, within liquids, but aren't, uh, don't do okay with certain food consistencies. So because it's so individual, it would be very important for um, anybody starting to have any difficulty swallowing to get what they call a swallow study. It's a Modified Barium Swallow, M- MBS, and that is done by a speech therapist that does require a referral by the doctor, and uh, that will then um, give a report on exactly what risk you are, and and then they will tell you this is what consistency you should be at. So that really helps us to know exactly uh, where you should be at, what consistency, what texture, and um, to, to eat as safely as possible. And if there is any aspiration risk, that is what that is assessing. And that is almost needs to be done on everyone who has any kind of swallowing difficulties. Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. And would you, how often would you recommend, um, you know, keeping an eye on your weight? You know, should I wait until I come to clinic to figure out if I've lost a lot of weight or should I keep track of it at home somehow or?
2: Right. If, If For those who are able to, for as long as they can, you want to weigh yourself weekly it doesn't really have to be more than weekly because you know there are just daily fluctuations. But if you weigh yourself weekly. And if you find, let's just say one week you're 200 pounds then the next week you're 199, the next week you're 200, you're okay. But if you're 200, then you go to 199, then you're 197. Now you're trending down and you need to, at that point, okay, I'm starting to lose. Maybe you add in an extra protein drink. Maybe you start, you know, putting in maybe another meal or snack, or you maybe have some extra ice cream or, uh, you know, whatever, you just need to have more food to maintain, uh, and, and quit stopping the weight loss and trying to put the weight back on.
0: Yeah, that's, that sounds like a good plan. And, and also I want to let patients and families know a lot of times we see people every three months, but if perchance that there's any issues, um, prior to that three months, like, you know, um, extreme weight loss, or you're, 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 finding that you're really struggling. Um, it's so important to contact your, your clinic, either um, myself, Susie, uh, the physician, um, we can contact um, just to, you know, um, let people know that you're having an issue. So we can um, try to take care of it before, you know, three months go down the road. Um, that's a big, that's a big thing. And then I think you give out a booklet, don't you from the ALS association, maintaining good nutrition with ALS.
2: Right. So we, we have that booklet that is available either if, if, if we're in person at the clinic, we hand that out to you. And there's a, a, actually a whole packet that you, you, um, give to everyone that has that nutrition book, or I will add it. And then if we're seeing people remotely, uh, uh through either through uh, the phone, then that can be emailed as well, if that is necessary. And I believe you also mentioned that there were some links to the National Association.
0: Correct. Yes, we have um, 11 resource guides that were created a few years ago from the ALS Association National Chapter. And we have um, the resource guide number eight is adjusting to swallowing changes in nutritional management in ALS. And it's, um, I would say about a 25 page booklet that you can go over, but they also have uh, the link that I can send, um, online and you can, um, access it that way too. Cause so many people are on computers or phone nowadays. Um, but that's really important to utilize all the information that's available. So, um, I really appreciate you coming on today, Jerry Lynn. I think one of the biggest things with um, ALS yeah. is, is the nutritional aspect, you know, wouldn't you agree?
2: I would. Yep. That, that really is, uh, is kind of foundational to how well the person's going to do or not do.
0: Correct. Correct. So, um, Once again, I just want to thank you so much for joining our first official podcast for the ALS Association Nevada Chapter, and um, we really appreciate all the years um, of, uh, you know, help that you've given to so many ALS patients over the years, and uh, we greatly appreciate it as well as the patients themselves. Thank you. So um, once again, I want to give out our emails. Um, So if you have any questions, do you know from this uh, last half hour podcast on nutrition, um, please feel free to reach out to uh, Taryn, myself, or Susie, and I will give my email. Um, It's Taryn T is in Tom A R Y N at A L S A N V dot org. And Susie, what's your email?
1: It's Susie, S-U-S-I-E, at A-L-S-A-N-B.org.
0: And we kind of uh, go in tandem with each other. Um, Pre-COVID, I was mainly handling uh, Northern Nevada, and I still uh, handle Northern Nevada, um, but we also um, do Southern Nevada as well, and the whole state. Uh, So wherever you're listening from, um, you know, feel free if you're in the northern region uh, to reach out to me and uh, Susie, the southern region. Um, So just welcome and uh, to our official podcast and we're going to be doing uh, many more. Uh, We're also going to be doing a podcast where you um, have sent in all your questions and we're going to do a whole podcast on that. So thank you so much for listening and uh, everyone take care and be safe. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you.